Podcasting does not have to be difficult, especially if you have the right partners. That's where Buzzsprout comes in. Whether you're looking to share your message with the world or get some ideas out there, Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Another wonderful thing you get for using Buzzsprout is that you get a really great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop onto other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes and more. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. To start your own podcast and get a $20 Amazon gift card, click the link in the show notes. It lets Buzzsprout know that Phoebe sent to you and also shows support for the show. Let's get to creating. Episode 6 of Image Stories with Phoebe. Thanks for joining us for another week of stories and conversations about immigrants, especially at such a momentous time when we have the daughter of immigrants heading to the White House. Yes, you heard that right. And I'm sure you already knew this because, you know, who doesn't? It's been all over the news. Uh, Shout out to everyone who went out and voted to have their voices be heard. If you weren't able to vote uh, due to your immigration status, you know, your day is coming. Seriously, it, it, it is. And uh, I never imagined that I would be voting in the U.S. elections, but here I am. Ain't God good? Well, yes, he is. Amen. Amen. Well, today we have some comments from our listeners and followers on Instagram. The presidential election result meant to them as immigrants. Let's start off with Ken, who says that the results felt like a weight off the world's shoulders. Yeah, that's true. Neha says the results mean that she gets to visit her parents. Oh, that's so wonderful that you get to visit your parents, Neha. And uh, Jay said it also provides sense of stability, diplomacy, and normalcy that we haven't had in the last four years. Okay, that's good. That's good. Padma says that the results for her as an immigrant meant hope. That's really, really wonderful. Sally says that the results meant to her better immigration laws. Yes, hopefully we get some better immigration laws in the U.S. That would be great to have. Um, we also have another one from Mitch, and Mitch says maybe hatred uh, doesn't win and uh, staunch un- unrepentant racists can crawl back underground. I don't know if you all have seen that meme that has been circulating talking about how now it has a picture of Denzel Washington and it says now we can go back to you know regular racism (laughs) I I found that sad and also funny um but also true you know and uh Miss Shelley also adds we can season our food and celebrate our diversity and plenty that is true especially the seasoning of the food because you know seasoning is what everything all right we have some more um 
comment over here. Wangari says she is so relieved and cautiously, though, because the work, of course, still continues. But she's excited for the potential decline in emboldened white folks killing us. Yes, Wangari, so true. Mariola adds, I think it's an incredibly powerful story for a non-white woman to hold such a high position, even though many of us have citizenship and so legally allowed to stay, it doesn't always feel welcoming. That's right, Mariola. And for her and Joe to have won after four years of hate, propaganda against race, gender, sexuality, that is even better. So thank you all for these wonderful, wonderful comments. You know, keep them coming whenever you have uh, you have a chance to listen to any of the episodes. If you have a reaction, any thoughts that you feel like you would like to share, please remember to hit us up at iswithphoebe at gmail.com. That's iswithphoebe at gmail.com. And maybe you also have a story that you feel like you want to share. We're going to have one of those like pop episodes where we won't really have a topic and we're going to talk about random things. So if you have a random story about your experience as an immigrant or anything that you feel like pertains to immigrants, be sure to um, send us an email. Okay. Okay. All right. So let us get into it. Today's episode is going to be focusing on an important topic, the topic of race. And um, I felt this was really timely because of, you know, the conversations that we've been having a lot on and off media about race and what, what that looks like, what that means, and how, you know, all of that has played a role in where, where we find ourselves right now as, as a country and as a world. Now, Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines race as any one of the groups that humans are often divided into based on physical traits regarded as common among people of shared ancestry. So what do we consider our race? You know, how did we get to this awareness? Was it pre or post-immigration? And lastly, how does being an immigrant impact the way we view race? I know the topic of race can be very triggering for some of us, so please, please, please consider this your trigger warning. All right, let's get into it. Our first story comes from Temidayo. Temidayo says he considers his race Nigerian or African. He says, I became aware of this race at a very young age as I grew up in Nigeria. However, visiting other countries gave me a different perspective of my race. One particular story was in 2001 when I visited Manchester, United Kingdom. I was playing football, you know, soccer. The real football. Because <laughs> you play it with your foot and a ball. I was playing football on the street with my cousins. Some people wanted to join in and we refused. And they started hurling racial slurs at us. I didn't get what it meant at that point. So I told my dad about the situation. And he took his time to explain how racism works and how bad it is. I can't even imagine as a parent having to have this conversation with your child at that age and trying to like break it down to where they, they can understand it. I, I, I wonder what that was like for, for your dad. Temidai also says that his awareness of race happened pre-immigration and it was for him prior to coming to the USA for studies. And he adds that in the USA, I was blessed to be in a school and a town that was diverse. That's really nice. 
Temidayo says, being an immigrant changed my concept of race. It made me understand the plights of people and how culture affects the thinking of people. Culture has an impact on the way people think and act. As an immigrant, I was looked down at by my fellow Blacks in an, as, an, as an inferior because I was from Nigeria. I was thought to be bush, quote-unquote, not exposed, and it was strange for me to be wearing clothes. It took time for me to explain that what they see on TV isn't how Africa or Nigeria is. Africans and Nigerians are very diverse. I think a lot of um, continental Africans who have immigrated to the U.S. can can relate to what you're saying, Temidayo. Thanks for sharing that with us. Next up, we have words from Dorinda. Dorinda says she considers her race as black. She says, I became more aware of my race coming into the USA. I can barely remember the actual skin color of the people I hung around in the Bahamas. Nationalities, yes. We were all different in the Bahamas. It would have been stranger to be Bahamian, 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 Bahamian at my school. I hope I said that right, Bahamian. Dorinda says, my awareness of race happened post-immigration. I got to the U.S. and honestly, I was placed in situations where I was being asked questions by people who looked like me. And these children did not have the same self-knowledge that I associated with myself. Children your age and color asking if you knew where the monkeys swung and the watering holes for the wild animals are. I wanted to ask them the same questions to ask them the same questions yeah Dorinda good good question to ask back because how are we supposed to know that Dorinda says race matters less when you share the culture of the class that has a better advantage that's oppressors colonizers however you'd like to call it it's more like we're on the same level tell me more about where you are in town you access that person by their neighborhood Common issues like parking space, construction, gentrification are almost a brag now. It means you're close enough but not actively participating in it. Or maybe a young teen's soccer game um, amid COVID and one family of the group is moving to Florida. You've got the lovebird white, white mom with a mixed kid in a cute apartment in town working it out. They all fall. You do not know their economic status affects how much they know about race, and that contributes to the social climate that we're in now. How far removed is a group of people, and how observantly conscious are the ones around the epicenter? As an immigrant, I see race as a socioeconomic status. People who live comfortably in America share similar socioeconomic statuses with shared culture. Race does not infringe blatantly on the lives of these races. Dorinda asks, or she adds, I should say, um, in terms of you know how folks view race in her opinion back home where she's from. She says, well, back home, I'm not sure what their opinion is on race and how I feel about that. I'm, I'm not quite sure. This has been Dorinda's experience. She says... Can it be racist when it is you and your father's first month in the U.S. at the Social Security office and you're called an African booty scratcher loudly in public? 
Dorinda, we're honored that you would share these experiences with us. We also have a comment from Nana here, and she says, I consider my race as African, not black. I didn't even know that there was a difference between the two until I immigrated here. And I'm not sure what the ongoing topic was on Twitter, but black Americans were attacking Africans for doing something they termed quote unquote black and didn't think that we were allowed to. Even in the workplace, some African Americans can be hostile to us Africans. And it's quite funny for me because their so-called blackness comes from their African roots. Thanks for your comment, Nana. So I don't, I don't think I really started uh, considering the concept of race until I was maybe a, a preteen, and I was rewatching the movie Serafina. If you're not familiar with the movie Serafina, it stars uh, Whoopi Goldberg. She's one of my faves. Uh, Miriam Akiba, God rest her soul. Um, it also has uh, Leleti Kumalo. She was uh, she was an actress that was on Hotel Rwanda, if you've ever watched it. Um, Mbongeni Ngema, and, and a host of others. And it's set in South Africa. The movie addresses the, the fight for freedom during the South African apartheid. It's a really good movie. I believe it's on Amazon. It used to be on, on Netflix, but they took it, I think they took it down. So it's on, it's on Amazon. If you have a chance, uh, do watch it. I'll let you know. It's, it's, it's a heavy movie, so just brace yourself. And I'd seen the movie as a child, but I don't think that I'd really wrapped my head around it as much until later, you know, when, when my young mind started to conceptualize the fact that black people who were from and living in South Africa were facing a racist government because of the color of their skin and their native language. And, you know, we, we'd never had something like that in Ghana where I'm from. So it was still a really distant experience. Like I saw it, I saw it in the movie, I'd read books about it. I knew about Nelson Mandela, you know, all this stuff. So I, I'd never really considered what my race was until I came to college here in the U.S. And I remember having to fill out forms and there was this section, you know, called race. And it had the usual options. So I got to black slash African-American, and that to me was confusing because it felt like everyone of my skin color had been lumped together. And I'd never really considered myself black. And I was clearly not African-American because, well, I wasn't American. You know, the African part, yes, but not the whole shebang. So I just, I went to other and I put down African at the end. You know, that, that was it. And um, it wasn't until I started having certain experiences that otherized me. And then I had conversations with people and they said, oh, yeah, it's because you were black. And I'm like, me, black? No, nah, I'm African. What are you talking about? I am African. You know, that's it. Period. I mean, well, the period part would come if this was a 2020 conversation. <laughs> um, and, and, and for me, like, you know, it was it was kind of was kind of confusing, you know. I'm talking about experiences like being followed in a store, being treated differently at a restaurant, you know, things like that. And that was that was what I knew, and and I was sticking to it. It took years, and and many conversations for me to understand the American concept of race and how it impacts people who look like me. You know, I had to, in some ways, redefine myself. 
And redefinition is something that many immigrants have to do post-immigration. So for someone like me, I was used to being a majority, um, being from Ghana and looking at the demographics of the country. And then all of a sudden, I was grouped into minority when, when I immigrated. And I, I learned that some people didn't care that I was African. When they saw me, they saw a black woman, simple. And there was this way in which I'd been socialized to believe that there were African-Americans and then there was us, you know, black Africans or continental Africans. However, when a cop stopped me in Dinwiddie County in Virginia, I'll never forget because that was the only time that I'd ever been pulled over. And, um, you know, stopped me over here in Virginia for, for speeding and asked if the vehicle my, my husband, well, he was my boyfriend then, and I were driving was ours because, you know, how can these people own a luxury vehicle? There was no distinction there about whether we were Africans or African-Americans. So that for me was a, a, was a, a wake-up moment. Well, one of many moments. But that, that really stood out to me. And I found myself, you know, for years trying to separate myself from what it meant to be black in America. But let me tell you, I was humbled really, really quickly. Like experience after experience and, and, and seeing, you know, the experiences of people who look like me here in America, how, how oppression has played a role and how, you know, they've been hurt, how the system has been shaped to not favor them in many ways. Like that, that humbled me real, real quickly. So if you're wondering, um, I'm black and I... I also didn't come to embrace my blackness until I moved to the U.S., honestly, because it wasn't a concept that I really had to think about. I didn't have to think about, you know, who I was and what my skin color meant until I moved to, to the U.S. And um, in a lot of ways, I wish that I had realized and learned some of these things earlier on in life. But hey, you know. Like I said, redefinition. And um, maybe you're like me and you found yourself trying to figure out how to redefine who you are or how to really like actually even define who you are. Listen, you're, you're not alone. It's a journey and it's not really a destination that you're ever going to get to. Even for me, I'm, I'm still still figuring it out. You know, I keep asking myself, so if you be at what point do you call yourself African-American? And I, I really don't know. I, I don't know when I get to that point. It's, it's a work in progress. Or if I'm even ever going to get to that point. I'm, I'm forever grateful to my African-American friends and family who have helped me to, to come to a place of embrace and acceptance of who I am here in America. And what race truly means beyond just just checking off a box on, on, on a paper because we know that it's broader than that. We're, we're listening to these experiences from, from Nana, from Temidayo, from Dorinda. And, you know, there's, there's these similarities. And also there's this, like, division that has come based on race, you know. So I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for everyone who was held my hand and, and helped me to, to appreciate this. I, 
I'll never forget um, being in grad school when um, I was having a conversation with my professor and he's like, Phoebe, you're you're black and you're a minority here in America. I was like, minority? Like, I don't like the sound of that word. He was like, well, that's that's the reality. So thank you to everyone who's been patient as as we work through these things. Race work is not is not easy. It's not, you know, identity work is not easy. And so I'm hoping that we can have the patience with each other, especially for those who are still working through it, who are still trying to figure it out. So like I said before, I'm forever grateful to 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 those who have held my hand and helped me through this work over the years and helped me to become who I am, you know, being this confident black woman that I am today and to be able to, you know, find the courage to even have these conversations about race. Dr. Demarcus Clark, Mrs. Brianna Toddy, Dr. Yabable, Miss Dantea Mitchell Hunter, Miss Audra Lee, and the many folks out there who are, you know, doing this identity work, the self-love work, and supporting people, you know, like myself who have have been figuring it out and are still figuring it out. Um, if I didn't mention your name, please don't don't take it personally. There's just been these mo- monumental moments in my life that, when I think of these, are people who, who come to mind and and you know, my, my heart, they have a very special place in my heart because I am as pro-black as I am now. And I embrace who I am, my race, my ethnicity, like all these different things um, because of the work that they've done, whether directly or indirectly with me. So, so thank you all. And uh, thank you so much for engaging with us through all these episodes and also for listening this far into the episode there's so much that we can talk about when it comes to race. There's so many things we can talk about, about racial dynamics, um, anti-racism work, a lot of things. The work isn't over. The work isn't done. I hope that, you know, you take an opportunity to, to read a book, do your Googles, um, talk to somebody, learn about someone's experience. You know, just because they're an immigrant doesn't mean that they've had these exact experiences that are being described in today's episode. You know, get out there, learn something, and teach something. Because we're really just trying to be better people, honestly. So I'll catch you next week. Y'all take care. Bye.